Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you news in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, you can hear Tech Radio on RTE Friday evenings or anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Google, Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, We also keep you bang up to date every single day with uh, hourly updates, daily newsletters as well, uh, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 860. Crikey. And joining me as always is Niall Kitson, our editor-in-chief. Niall, I suppose, can I start off with the editorial deal that Facebook seems to have finally agreed with Australia? What do you know? Uh, Australia, I I guess, let's let's narrow it down to News Corp, which... uh, is uh, the Murdoch family's company. Of mm. course, they they cover 70% of the newspaper circulation in Australia. That's how big News Corp is down there. They also own the website news.com.au and uh, they also own Sky News Australia and of course the Murdoch Empire encompasses the, the Sky brands uh, over here as well. So you remember the deal was Australia had passed a law saying that the big social media platforms had to start paying for the content that was being shared uh, on their websites, uh, which is great news for publishers because it meant that finally they were getting uh, they were getting money for eyeballs that weren't necessarily coming to their websites. Uh, now the thing is, uh, Australia um, uh, and Facebook had this row. Facebook said, well, do you know what? We don't watch your stupid news anyway, so we're going to block access to Australian news websites, um, uh, to which they did. And then Australia came back and said, well, hang on, hang on, let's let's talk this out like mature adults. And now we have a situation where Google struck a deal with with, uh, Australian media outlets. They went with Nine Entertainment Group and another TV network um, and they sort of had their side deals going on and Facebook came along and just signed a three-year deal with News Corp, uh, the the actual terms of which we don't know. Uh, But according to um, the law as passed by the the upper house in Australia, this was sort of after a few tweaks were were made to the, the version in the lower house. Basically what happens is that yes, the social media platforms do have to contribute to uh, the uh, upkeep, I suppose. They, they do have to invest in Australian media, but mm. that's kind of where things get a bit murky. It's like the government is kind of stepping back saying, okay, you have to contribute to uh, to the media landscape in Australia, but you, know, you companies sort it out amongst yourselves. And if you run into trouble, if you can't come to an agreement, then the government will step in. In the meantime, you guys just do your own deals. And we're not even going to say how much you have to spend on this. All we all we want is for the platforms, the internet giants, to invest in uh, in Australian media, and that's that's incredibly murky. I mean, that could be anything from you know funded intern programs to you know straight subscriptions to anything. So I guess as a as a laboratory to see how social media companies can interact with uh, regular media in the future, I think it's pretty much leaves leaves the door open for kind of any 
arrangement, really. I don't think any other country is going to go, well, look what happened in Australia, where X percent of Facebook's revenue in that country has to be handed over to, uh, to government uh, to, in order to keep local news uh, alive and kicking. But that hasn't happened. So we don't know the financial terms of the deal. All we know is that it's going to last for three years and it involves Facebook investing something mm. in, a, in Australian media. I That's think uh, I think of even more interest is that it sets a precedent more than anything else. So it, and also, as well as it setting a precedent, I think it's interesting when you see a country standing up to Google and Facebook and Amazon. Yeah, it doesn't happen an awful lot. No, it doesn't. And uh, I would say almost that this is a win for government. We've had lots of things here in the EU where the EU will fine Google for doing this or da, 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 whatever. But this seems to be a little bit more of a, you'll do what you're told. <laughs> by by us, as opposed to by a group of countries. Precisely. Precisely. So um, so that's uh, interesting. Anyways, that's uh, one of the big stories of the week. The other big story is that while we were all off galloping on St. Patrick's Day, Samsung were having another uh, unboxed event. Now it was St. Patrick's Day, so I had uh, far other things to do, I should say. <laughs> I didn't watch it. But the, uh, the headlines really coming from Samsung is that they used it to launch their mid-range level phones. And actually, these look really, really good value. It's the latest A52 and the A72. The A52 is kind of like six and a half inch screen on it. And the A72 is a 6.7 inch screen. Mm-hmm. It's slightly bigger. I don't know if there's really that much difference in it. Uh, usual thing from a mobile phone manufacturer. There's a bigger battery in it. It lasts longer. It's got fast charging. They've changes to the cameras, uh, quad cameras in there, better processors. Uh, and I'm delighted to say they still have support for SD cards in the uh, A range of phones anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of just uh, pretty much for pretty much. But the price brand new, I think, is circa about 500 euro, which is about maybe half the price of what you pay for an S20 or an S21. Well, slightly lower. 300 quid saving anyway. Certainly, certainly a couple of hundred quid saving. And that's that's really interesting to see the level of tech that's happening in the mid-range. Uh, and also expandable storage is, is still here. I mean, that's great mm. to see things stay in the control of the user. Mm. They, now, does, they, does it have a three and a half millimeter jack though? I don't know. I didn't look for that spec funny enough. I'm going to say just, no. I, I, I've given up. <laughs> I've literally <laughs> given up on this whole Bluetooth. The the world has moved on and that's fine. You know, kind of the headphones mm. were, were very simple. You had your three and a half mil jack, you would stick in and it, it would work. Now, uh, when I have my phone, of course, Bluetooth is on all the time and it depends on what part of the house as to what speaker it's going to play out something. And quite often it starts playing something when I don't want it to. <laughs> Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if I'm watching a YouTube video or something like that in, in, in the bedroom, suddenly I hear the sound booming out of a speaker downstairs and I go, oh, for God's sake. It's just as well I'm not <laughs> watching things that I shouldn't watch. Can you imagine how embarrassing that could be? You know, so, uh, and then the other big news from Samsung this week is that, Kel surprise, uh, they say they're not going to be releasing the Note uh, this year, which would have been the Note 21. And they're blaming uh, a severe imbalance on global chip supply. 
Well, I think that's an argument we're going to be hearing an awful lot for, I guess, a few years to come, really, aren't we? About the global chip chip supply? Yeah, about about supply chain issues across the board. Why? What's what's on your radar? Well, I mean, if you just look at what has happened with the with our workforce globally, can you actually get people into a factory at the moment? Not really. Um, you've got massive issues with uh, social distancing that you just can't account for. So for as long as you can't physically get people into factories mm. and working, uh, for as long as you can't get people to, to load and unload trucks, I mean, these are all massive logistical problems. You, you can't, you know, if, if you can't physically uh, manufacture and get goods uh, on the road and received, that's, that's huge. So um, it will be a few years before we see... Um, the kind of cadence in a certain tier of product that maybe we're used to. Hmm. Like there, there is about talk that. about, you know, new Macs coming uh, even later this month. But uh, you can expect them to sell out mighty quickly. Uh, and again, because uh, I think there is a fundamental problem in the manufacturing chain right now. And it's hmm. not, you know, it's it's not down to, you know, human issue. It's just COVID. I mean, people are, people are stuck. Uh, in some cases, companies are shutting down completely. Uh, mm. Companies are going bust. So supply chains are going to have to be reevaluated, rebuilt. Um, and it's, yeah, we're, we're seeing it across the board. We're seeing it across every industry. You know, it's, it's not unique to the tech. I certainly hope that they have their supply chain issues sorted out by the time Apple released the uh, M2 processor. Because I have got a pile of cash here and it's just waiting for the M2 to come out. <laughs> and then I'm going to spend it all. <laughs> uh, what else we got in the news this week? Oh, uh, fake, fake news. <laughs> fake news. Here's an interesting story. Um, and it's, it's kind of, you know, why do people share what they share online, especially if they know it's not true? Because we see an awful lot of stuff uh, on our social media platforms of choice, people tweeting things. You know, if you look at certain topics like climate change or vaccines or these sort of real hot button topics, you find very extreme, um, uh, very extreme opinions on them. And you find certain uh, outlets on, on the right seem to get a disproportionate um, amount of airtime. You know, they're quite sensational, you know, and kind of clickbaity really. And you, you kind of want to see who is, you know, actually responding to these things and commenting on them and, and who actually believes this stuff. Um, and you know what? Belief doesn't seem to play as big a role in these things as we thought they did. According to a team of researchers working in the US, what they're finding is that it's not so much whether you believe uh, in a story that you are sharing. Of course, that that helps. But a big chunk of, chunk of it is being able to show that you belong to the team that believes this kind of thing. Right. So here's an example. Uh, say what we look at, what what they call the big lie. So Trump's, uh, you know, assertion that the election was stolen from him, right? No evidence to back this up whatsoever. Everybody has accepted, you know, no, there's no basis in fact to it whatsoever, but still people sharing an awful lot, people engaging with stories about the big lie, uh, and even still to, to this day, you know, refusing to believe or accept the outcome of the 
of last year's US presidential election. Yet people are still sharing these stories, even though, you know, people have accepted that, you know, the election is over. Yep, that's fine. It's been certified. Everything has been looked at. It's been through the courts. You know, there is nothing here. But people still want to be seen to be on Team Trump because they like Trump. So what you're saying is that people are essentially using the story as waving a flag. I'm I support whatever. It can be Trump. It can be Liverpool Football Club. It, it could be Intel. It, it could be tech radio. Who knows? It could um, be absolutely anything. Yeah. But you are waving that flag and basically you're just saying, hey, here's the here's the latest for our team, whether it's true or not. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like signaling to, you know, I'm I'm one of you guys, you know, let's let's have a conversation or let's hang out or whatever it's it, it's it's a sign of identity it's a sign of belonging uh, and you know what it does it these stories become signifiers you know it's it doesn't matter whether they're true or not i mean it's you know uh, because you're signaling to other people the kind of person you are mm. not necessarily the literal truth that you believe in you know i was watching it's a kind of an interesting way of saying how we use the news and um, how we use the news for information, but also for kind of entertainment as well, if you like. I was watching the uh, Caroline Flack uh, documentary on TV the other night. I don't know if you saw it. No. But it was just kind of talking about like, you know, she she had this row with her boyfriend in the flat and there was, you know, police called and all that kind of stuff. But because she was who she was, this got splattered all over the newspapers and suddenly Everybody has got an opinion on it. And the things people were saying on social media were absolutely just, you know, horrid. All right. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of people, they're just using the news organizations are just using it as entertainment. Oh, here's an interesting thing that happened. Splat. And there's the story. And then you and I are reading the story because, yes, it is interesting. How could you not read a story like that? Do you know what I mean? TV presenter beats up her boyfriend. Oh, I want to find out more about that. But for the actual woman who is in the centre of it, it's not funny because that's her life and it is affecting her mentally. And people don't ever take that into consideration. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because you say people are forwarding on fake news because it's almost like, you know, ah, whatever, if it's not true, it's entertaining. Yeah, it's it's entertaining. It's something I'm interested in. It's something yeah. I think you might be interested in. You know, it's veracity is only a part of the uh, uh, of the, the phenomenon. And, mm. you know, it doesn't, you know, it does. It almost doesn't matter when when people say that we live in a, a post truth society. Like there is certainly is something to it. I mean, when there here's a, a very interesting example of how our attention spans have been reduced to sort of posting things like this as badges of identity. Mm. I remember a couple of years ago um, on April Fool's Day, uh, NPR posted uh, a headline to something, and uh, it was something really outrageous. Uh, I can't remember what it was, and there was a, a, a link to click through it, and you click through to read the story. And the first paragraph was: "If you've clicked the link, congratulations! You've shown a genuine interest in the story, and you're probably going to comment on here. By the way, the story was fake, right? <laughs> Whereas the people that commented on Facebook." had clearly just read the headline and were commenting on the content of the headline. 
Mm. So it's it's a function of people just having so little uh, attention to give, uh, being time poor, and yet still having this urge to communicate and to share mm. who they are as a person. Now, listen, speaking of not getting into detail and just looking at the headlines, I think the other big event we had online this week were the Oscar nominations, which were done online. And mm-hmm. of course, then we're going to have the ceremony and that'll be done online as well. I'm not really worried about all of that. Um, what I think it's interesting to see which movies were nominated. Uh, Mank was one of them. Do you know that? That is the one about the writer of Citizen Kane, wasn't it? That's the, that's the one. Ma yeah. Rainey's Black Bottom. Do you know that one? No. Hillbilly Ed- El- Elegy. Yeah, that's uh, Glenn Close, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't recognise it from the title, but when I saw Glenn mm. Close, I went, oh, yeah, I saw that. That was quite good, actually. Uh, mm. Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, yes. Yep. That's, right, okay. I'm, I'm starting to see something linking these films together. I, well, I don't know what it is because I'm just kind of pulling them at random. What about Soul? Uh, no. And this is actually something that really disturbed me about, uh, about the Oscar noms this year. Go on. I have seen none of them. That is part of my point that you've not seen any of them. Uh, The other part of my point is that I was reading about the Oscar nominations and I knew hardly any of the movies. Or I would have to think about it and go, oh, yeah, 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 I saw that. Mm. So normally in a normal year, we have cinemas that are open. Mm-hmm. We have big marketing campaigns and advertising that goes behind all the big movies. Mm-hmm. Um, people are talking about them because we're out talking to our friends. I went to see such and such. Even the fact if we do go to the cinema to watch a movie, the fact that we were there and we had the popcorn and we went to somebody else and it was the big screen and it all sticks in our memory. We haven't had any of that for the last 12 months. And here we are with the Oscar nominations and I'm sitting down looking going, eh, eh. The, the only <laughs> film out of, you know, all the big nominations that Mm. I would have gone to see in a cinema would be Promising Young Woman, which in any other year, it's it's a small indie film. It would have been buried Mm. uh, under, you know, the usual uh, Oscar bait, which just didn't happen this year. And the other thing that uh, that stood out to me um, is the number of films that are available on streaming services. But this is it. Are we at a case of, I thought, what was the big series? Was it Bridgerton or The Crown? It was one or the other, all right? They're both on Netflix. Yeah, but both of them are Netflix and both of them are enormous hits. Hmm. And Netflix said that it was such a big hit that almost 10% of their subscribers watched it. Wow. Which means that 90% of people didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. So is it a case of now that we have so much choice that nothing is actually going to be a success because there's just so much out there? I don't well, know. Anyway, it, it was an observation more than anything else and I have nothing really to to get into it deeply. Uh, and we've tons of news to to do. And you've got another story there that I'm dying to hear about, actually. And it's a, a hacker, a Twitter hacker. Got real proper prison time. What did he do? Yeah. Spare a thought for Graham Ivan Clark. He's only 18 years of age and he's from Florida. Now, Florida seems to have this reputation for breeding the wackiest people in America. Like if you do a Google search for Florida man, 
I mean, it, it would make you despair for the country as a whole. Okay. Um, you know, it, it just has this rep- reputation for being ornery. So when I heard that this young man was from Florida, I, I rolled my eyes a little bit, but he's one of three people, three young men involved in this Bitcoin scam. So Graham has been sentenced to three years in prison plus three years probation. And it's not, you know, hardcore federal pre- penitentiary is going to the sort of, um, not, uh, sort of a, not quite a young offender's um, uh, institution, slightly, slightly more hardcore than that, but he will probably have the option to serve out some of his time in one of these, you know, scared straight boot camp kind of things. Um, but what he uh, was part of, he was a scam, part of a scam on Twitter that basically unlocked 130 of the planet's most popular blue tick accounts uh, and used them to scam people for Bitcoin. And the way it worked was that he, him, uh, himself and his cohorts got access to these accounts and posted a tweet, right? And the tweet was basically, I'm donating X. Now we'll say it's Elon Musk, right? They'll say, hmm. I'm donating X amount of Bitcoin. Click here and I'll double it. So people would click uh, and they would you know, expect to be getting something in return, some class of Bitcoin in return, uh, or maybe I've got that backwards. I think I think it was, uh, I'm donating X much, click here and I'll double it for you. Anyway, you get the idea. It was a phishing scam yeah. on Twitter under the accounts of very well-known people with verified accounts. Okay, so now how well-known were those people? You had Joe Biden, you had Elon Musk, <gasps> you had Bill Gates, Ooh. you know, he was yeah. able to hack accounts for people of that stature and level. Wow. Yes. And the way they did it uh, wasn't through, you know, brute force attacks on passwords or anything like that. They used social engineering to find their way into Twitter's back end and circumvent the two-factor authentication. Um, so they did this through social engineering, Dusty. Do you know what social engineering is usually uh, uh, code for? <laughs> I'm not going to say. I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you come up with. Go on. I, I just lying. Just, just admit it. You lied your way through. <laughs> lying, lying. It, it Actually, sounds... I don't. I don't think it is. I, I think it's social engineering is preying on people's fears in order to get them to do something that you want them to do. And you could say, yes, it is lying, but it's it's like advanced lying. And like my wife had a, a, an email the other day and obviously her, her details were picked up on one of these um, username password lists that have been compromised. All right. Mm. And she just got an email out of the blue and it just said, I know your password. It's blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. And she kind of went, she literally pooped in her pants because she went, oh, my God, somebody knows my password. Mm. And she's calling me going, oh, what am I going to do? They want they want something called Bitcoin and I have to click mm. here. And Can they get access to my accounts? Can they get? And I went, OK, firstly, do you recognize the password? She goes, yeah, I used it like, you know, blah, blah, whatever, three years ago. And I went, OK, do you use it now? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's your <laughs> there's your first thing. Yeah. <laughs> But like, you know, people, people are sucked in. All it needed was that little bit of information. And you kind of, and then of course it went on to say, uh, yeah, we've been watching you while you were on the porn sites and stuff like that. And that's when we both went, right. <laughs> They're talking complete. 
yeah rubbish well that's um, that's a particularly nasty kind of fishing but what social engineering yes. usually adds is a level of familiarity with how the systems of a company work so what uh, these guys were able to do was the, they found their way into twitter's back end was by scooping basically scraping linkedin for people that said they worked for Twitter, identifying people that they reckon, okay, probably has access to the kind of information we want, uh, finding their way into LinkedIn's job search functions, finding a way to scrape mobile numbers, because uh, as we know, a lot of people use LinkedIn to, to get discovered by potential employers and will very mm-hmm. often post their, their mobile phone number in a, in a safe part of the, the website. Uh, and then they would call people directly on their mobiles, on the phone provided. And it wouldn't be as weird as you think because people are working from home and maybe they're getting used to taking calls on their personal phones. Yeah. Um, and it's not as big a deal as it was. So all of a sudden you might, you know, somebody working in the data department uh, of Twitter got a phone call from John, who's just joined from the Arizona department. And could you help him out? Cause he's just started and he thinks he's broken something and he needs to get into a certain account or a part of something. And all of a sudden, these things start to sound very plausible. And then before you know it, you've actually inadvertently given away access to an awful lot of very sensitive information. And that's exactly Mm. what happened here, where you had guys that were able to get in and just post their scam tweets and then get out. Wow. So this this is what this Twitter hacker did. And he's got, uh, what, three years jail time for it? Three years. And his two accomplices are, are... before subjudice, I think is the term. It's before the courts. They haven't been sentenced or, or anything yet. I, I look forward to seeing what they get with, with Justice is coming their way. All right. Listen, last story uh, for this week hmm. is Intel. Of course, we've had, as I mentioned earlier, Apple and the M1 and the new processor. And it's doing great business to Intel. Not happy. Uh, because obviously, A, they've lost the gig. And secondly, everybody's talking about Apple's processor and not Intel. So they have started a TV advertising campaign. And it actually is very similar. Do you remember, Niall, years ago, they did the I'm a Mac or I'm a, and I'm a PC? That, that was the uh, thing. Or actually, was it Apple did that, was it? It was Apple did the uh, I'm a Mac. It was, yeah. Ah, that, OK, Grant. So- and it was John Hodgman and Justin Long was the duo when last they did it. They did one in the 80s and then they did one in the noughties as well. Right. And the whole thing back then was it was the Macintosh being the the young, cool kid on the block and going, hey, I'm a Mac. I, I don't have to deal with any of this stuff. And then the PC was painted as a, as a middle-aged, fat businessman in a, in a suit that doesn't fit, etc. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy who does Excel really well. Uh, they've done something similar uh, on that, but this time promoting Intel quite subtly, actually, I thought, in that they have the lead character again is Justin and he's just a guy looking at blah, 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 blah. And he says, I'm just comparing a, a PC laptop and a Mac. So let's have a look. So he has a look at the, the laptop and he goes, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a laptop. And then he's able to bend it in half. So it becomes a tablet at the same time. And it's all touchscreen and stuff like that. So he's quite happy with himself. But then, of course, he has a look at the Mac, which is not a touchscreen and does not bend over to become a tablet. And somebody is handing him a tablet and then somebody mm-hmm. is handing him a, a dongle and somebody is handing him a, a keyboard and then somebody. Da, da, da. So that's how they're doing it. And then the other one, which really made me laugh, I, I'll play it for you here, actually, uh, was all to do with the whole touchscreen side of it. Have a listen. Hello, I'm a 
Justin. Just a real person doing a real comparison between Mac and PC. Come on. Okay, PC. Oh, cool. This whole thing's a touchscreen. <laughs> All right. And now for Mac. Let's see. Oh, you've got a little bar here. Little baby one. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Oh, where's the mute button? Here's what I found on how to cook mutton. Oh, no, I, I don't want to cook mutton. What even is mutton? And you get a little uh, intel to do, do, do at the end. Um, mm. But I just love the way they tell you they took the mic out of that touch bar because I don't know a single person who likes that bloody touch bar. No. Oh, Justin Long, you sell out. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it's the same actor somehow. But anyways, listen. Uh, there we go. That's all the news I have. Uh, that's all the news you have for this week. Yeah. That's all. That's all I got. That's all we got. All right. Well, this is nicely wrapped up into 30 minutes. Niall, thanks for keeping us up to date as always. Uh, that's it for our show for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie. And of course, listen out for each week online or Fridays on RTE Radio 1 Extra on DAB. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or Download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.